Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I am here with my partner in crime and co-host and sister Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. Excited to be here for another episode. Is it weird to say I love this show if it's our show? But I do love no. the show. No. I mean, you have to love your show or you'll get bored with it and not want to do it anymore. Right. It's true. You got. If you hate true. it, why are you doing it? Right? There is a podcast tip for all you would-be, wannabe podcasters out there. Yeah. You got to love your show. You got to love your show. And if, if you, you don't, don't, you change it to yep. something that you do love. Exactly. Yep, for sure. When I first started doing a solo show at One Two Radio, it was uh, Indigo's Crystals and Rainbows, Oh My. Yes. It was all about special kids and psychic kids. And it was great. And I loved it for about six months. And then it was like, my God. What else do I talk about? <laughs> and I got to where I could not stand it anymore. And I had to rebrand and, you know, yeah. morph into the Katie Weaver show where I could do be more open ended. But yeah, it's a big, you got to like what you're doing. It, it's very true. Podcasting takes commitment and it, you got to love it. Mm -hmm, and sure. I love it. Let yep. me just say, I love it. We love it enough that when tech is a real dick like it's been tonight, it's okay. We get over it and we keep going. We do. That is true. <laughs> we, we've had some challenges, my friends, but we are here. That's right. We will prevail. Anyway, <laughs> we are super glad to be here. And, you know, we talked a little about what our Halloween plans were. They went awry. We had they planned did. on going to our sister Kara's house. So we were going to have a Halloween dinner slash birthday dinner for my husband and watch witches. That was our plan. And then yeah. our kids made a plan for themselves, which uh, caused us to change our plans. Yes. Because we are the worst and or best parents ever. Well, I mean, when opportunity knocks, come on. Right. So four of our kids were leaving to go take, do a photo shoot in their Halloween costumes in one of our local cemeteries. And what as could you go wrong? Know, what could possibly go wrong? Right, right. yeah. So, as, uh, you know, smart parents would, we decided that uh, there's no way we could sit there and watch a movie knowing that we could be at the cemetery scaring the crap out of our kids. Right. I mean, come on. They told us where they were going and everything. Mm -hmm. Duh. They should have expected it. They didn't. But they should have. <laughs> Between snap maps and them calling us, Freaked out from the cemetery. It wasn't very hard to figure out where they were. <laughs> no, it was not. So Scott dropped us off. There were seven of us. Well, six of us, I guess, because Scott was driving. Mm -hmm. But um, we got out of the car. We stole across the cemetery in the pitch black dark. The only thing, uh, it was pretty, uh, a lot of trees. So even the full moon didn't really, uh, didn't really give us up. Yeah, we it were was at. real dark. Mm-hmm. And they knew there were people in the cemetery, but there had already been people in the cemetery. It's why they called us scared in the first place. So they didn't, uh, you know, but they saw these people start moving through the cemetery and kind of chilling out under trees for a few minutes and then moving a little closer and a little closer. And we waited, you know, until the right opportunity. And then we charged out from behind this enormous tree screaming 
And they about killed each other trying to fight their way back into their car. Like it's a miracle somebody didn't, uh, you know, come out of it with a bloody lip or something. They about tore each other apart. And they did. It was fantastic. Mission 100% accomplished. It was great. It really it was. Really was. Great. It was super funny. And they you were guys very believe that, that they, no uh, one was trying to kill them, actually. But they were real scared for a few minutes. But can you guys believe that they like called us names? Yeah, they did. Oh, they did. Yeah, they, they were. They in called us trouble. names. Yeah, they were mad. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It was worth worth that scene of them <laughs> fighting their way into the back of that car. Mm. Well, yeah, they were in it. a little SUV and they had the back hatch open, and so that's the, you know how they were all four trying to dive into the car. Through the back hatch, and oh man, it was quite the scuffle. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was great. It was worth every minute. You have really to know was. that our dad was the hugest tease on the planet, and mm-hmm. that he would do stuff like that to us all the time. It was forever mm-hmm. his goal to scare the living hell out of us, and so it was mm-hmm. kind of nice to give it back. True, true. Speaking of Halloween, there was quite the display yesterday, uh, the Halloween display at uh, the Madison County Jail. Oh, boy. Well, I know some people seem to think that this was funny. I got to be honest with you. I thought it was in horrible taste. But a few local women decided to dress up like Lori Vallow and a couple of her friends, the Melanies, I guess, and Julie Rowe. And they went to the jail to do a photo shoot. So outside of the courthouse in the Madison County Jail, they did a photo shoot in their costumes. So Lori Vallow... The Lori Vallow lookalike was frighteningly like her, frighteningly. From behind, but, um, particularly. From behind, she yeah. really got the hair right. Long, curly, blonde hair and big sunglasses. And she was in an orange jumpsuit, which is almost right. Madison County's are orange and yeah, white. Orange uh, and but it, it startled people enough that in local groups, people were asking if Lori Vallow was out of jail on the property. Uh, but... Anyway, so they hung around the jail for quite a while, taking pictures of themselves and thinking they were pretty cool. But I just, uh, I don't know. I think it's in really poor taste. I didn't think it was funny. This, this, is, this case is about dead kids. I mean, come on. It's not funny. And I don't find that happened. funny. Yeah. I just find that really in poor taste and, and attention seeking. I just, no. Mm-hmm. No, these are dead kids. I mean, we follow this case because we want justice for Tylee and JJ. Right. And for all of the other people who potentially were killed by these freaks, you know, yeah. this isn't about funny, fun stuff. I, I didn't get yeah. it at all. I mean, either. I, I just, I didn't get it. I still don't get it. I, I worry that that show is going to make, you know, national news to make us look like idiots yet again. And mm. I'm just here to say, I don't agree with it. I didn't agree with it. I, I just don't think it's okay. No, I, I don't either. I, I think that you, you know, you save your Halloween costumes for things that can be scary or funny. This was just, this is tragic. This is tragic yeah. and sad and. And ongoing. And and ongoing. Yes. I mean, that literally is the jail, jail where this woman is housed who participated in the murders of her children. I mean, it's just not, I, I don't see the entertainment value in dressing up as her or her no. friends. Me neither. Yep, not a fan. So anyway, yeah. So there's the Halloween hijinks. <laughs> yeah. In um, all their glory. Some strange yeah. choices being made there. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, I have quite the case for you today. So I'm going to present the case. Christy, you're going to cold read it, and it's going to be interesting because there is a suspect that's been arrested, but, uh, well, we'll get there. So this, uh, this was suggested by one of you guys, so thank you very much. This case happened originally, well, not originally, but always, <laughs> it happened in Scotland. Oh, okay. So in 1976, Renee McRae put her youngest son, three-year-old Andrew, into her blue BMW. And it was raining like crazy. So she had been to drop her son, her older son, off at the offices of her estranged husband, Gordon McRae. He was a millionaire. And they were... Separated, but not divorced. But uh, she had taken their nine-year-old son to him. He was spending the weekend with him. But mm -hmm. she was keeping Andrew with her. So she told him that she was going to spend the weekend with her sister in Kilmarnock. You guys know I'm probably going to destroy some of these Scottish names. I'm very sorry. I will do my best. Uh and, and in fact, Gordon knew how much she hated driving and particularly in bad weather and it was starting to rain. So he offered to buy train tickets for them to go to her sister's house so that she wouldn't have to drive. And he was surprised when she said, absolutely not. She was going. She was driving. Mm. Well, there was a reason for that. She lied. She wasn't going to her sister's house. Mm -hmm. In the trunk of her car, she had a small brown antler suitcase and Andrew's push chair, like, like a stroller, mm -hmm. and and a blanket. And that was it. And her best friend knew where she was headed. And apparently her secret lover did as well. But she didn't tell Gordon where she was going. She lied to him about where sure. she was going. Okay. So she took off and headed out of Iverness, where she was coming from, along the A9. That's a big, long road that uh, meanders through the hills and valleys of the Scottish Highlands. Okay. So a little after six, another driver whose child attended school with Renee, someone who knew her, saw her vehicle and saw her going kind of slow but driving along the A9. And notice that when she got near the Miel Moor, Laby, that is another road, uh, she pulled over and parked. Layby, I bet it's a layby. Layby. She parked for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, at any rate, lots of other drivers later reported that they had seen this car sitting off to the side of the road that looked like it was empty. The lights were off, the engine was off, the car was just quiet. And then by about 9.30, the car was gone. So later on, other witnesses said that they saw their car six miles further along the road, a little after 10 p.m., and that it was parked in a more secluded spot, hidden from the road, but kind of off the road, by the Dalmagheri lay-by. Okay. And a passing motorist, could smell smoke and investigated and discovered that the car was up in flames. There was nobody in the car, but the car itself was a ball of fire by the time the authorities got there. Okay. So by Monday, she does not pick her son up from her husband's house. 
So he calls her sister in Kilmarnock to check on her safety and discovers that she was not there. And her sister has no idea what he's talking about. So he phoned the police. That's when he learned that her car was found burned up. He didn't know. Uh, But, you know, so he's scared to death because his wife is missing. His son is missing. Uh, They were divorcing, but they were good friends. It was just kind of a a loveless marriage that had run its course. Mm -hmm. But they both actually had new partners, but she had refused to tell him who her, who she was dating. Uh, So he knew she had someone, but he didn't know who. And later that week, he was in for quite a shock when her best friend, Valerie Steventon, uh, spilled her guts to the police and told them that um, Renee had been in a relationship with Gordon's chief accountant, a man named Bill McDowell, for nearly five years. Oh boy. And okay. also that Renee was quite sure that little Andrew, who was three, was actually Bill's son. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep. So... She says that they had arranged to spend the last few days together in Perth before they told Gordon and Bill's wife, Rosemary, about their affair and that they were leaving to start a new life in the Shetlands. Mm. So this is what Valerie tells the police. So Gordon McRae is so angry because this person was his friend and had worked for him for a long time and Mm -hmm. was sleeping with his wife for a long time, five years, and he didn't know. So he, mm. of course, sacked him on the spot, released him from his job. And then the police get a hold of McDowell and interview him. And, of course, the press, press are pushing him really hard, too. And he says that they had not made any firm arrangements to meet for the weekend and that they were absolutely not making a plan to start a new life in the Shetlands. He says that was all a lie. But... For what it's worth, her best friend says that's what she was told was happening. Okay. So later on, he does a press release with his wife by his side, Rosemary, claiming that the affair had been over for a while and that he was trying to just, you know, re- uh, repair his life and his marriage in that while he had been in an affair, with Renee, he no longer was. So that's what he told the press. Mm. Now, something very strange is that he also said that in the days since their disappearance, he had received a number of coded phone calls that indicated to him that Renee and Andrew were still very much alive and did not wish to be found. Those calls were never substantiated, but that was another thing that he told the press. Mm-hmm. So, and Rosemary stood by her man. She didn't leave him. She stayed right by his side. A senior police source told the press that shortly after her disappearance, that Bill McDowell did show up in the police department, the Ivernus police station, uh, in a distraught state and said he had significant information about her disappearance and before they could sit down and interview him with a detective, his wife showed up and drug him out of the police station. Mm-hmm. And then when the police followed up with him, then he had 
completely changed his story and just had no idea what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So when they found Church Renee's house, they discovered that most of her house was packed up in boxes as if she really was moving. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> a search begins for her body. <coughs> The car was so burned up that the only the the trunk or the boot they would call it in Scotland was uh, still in place. When they looked in the boot, they discovered that the push chair was gone and the suitcase was gone. Andrew's blanket was there and it had some blood on it, and that's all they really had to go on. So police did at that point decide that there was you know foul play afoot and started. Mm-hmm trying to find her and they circulated wanted posts or missing persons posters to every police station in the UK. Gordon McRae did a big public plea with the press. He offered a thousand pounds for anybody with information, which in the mid seventies was a lot of money. Sure. Um, there weren't very many witnesses, mostly just the cars who or people who saw that car. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. But it was a really terrible storm that night. And uh, there weren't a whole lot of people on the road, especially that road. So, and then pretty soon it snowed. And so the thoughts of very much more, uh, the evidence there was pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. So the press was really hard on Renee. They really painted her like some kind of, you know, big tramp and fast Mm -hmm. woman. You know, the the wife of this rich and successful man that was having an affair. And, you know, they were pretty uh, hard on her. It was a really highly publicized case. Mm -hmm. And so there was a release from her best friend, Val. She said, Renee was a happy, down-to-earth, responsible, and devoted mother. She was willing to do a good turn for anybody at any time. She would put herself out to help you. She was one of the best. And then the family really felt like the police force was really helping to stoke the rumor that she was some, you know, fast woman that, uh, you know, who knows, maybe she just ran away and, you know, mm-hmm. like the police didn't help her reputation at all. Yeah. Uh, but when the family kind of leaned hard on them, like, you know, and basically I'm guessing that, uh, that Gordon and his attorneys probably let them know that that was going to stop because then one of the uh, detectives said in a public statement, she was not a fast living high stepping woman. Basically she was an unhappy woman in company. She tended to withdraw. She went home early. She would be fairly lonely. She had few friends apart from Valerie Steventon. She was separated from her husband. And I think she may have felt a bit inadequate. So that's how they made up for making her out to be a big old harlot in the press. Wow. So then they made her sound like she was mentally ill and inadequate. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Typical representation of women. Yeah. So nice. In situations like this. Mm-hmm. So by the summer of 1977, there had still been absolutely no sign of them. And the Ivernus police started to think that they were in one of the quarries. There were a lot of flooded quarries near the A9 where her car was found. Mm-hmm. So they were looking at the Lanark quarry, which was close to the Culloden battlefield. Mm-hmm. And they searched and searched and searched. And 
tried really hard to find something there. They had some kind of a camera that they were sending down into the murky depths mm. to see if they could see anything. Mm-hmm. And they saw something that they thought looked like a skeletal face. And they thought, here's our ticket. We have finally found her. They sent divers in. It was dangerous as hell because it was so murky and muddy. Mm-hmm. And what they discovered that they thought was a skeletal face was actually a bag of garbage. Oh, God. The more they looked, the more it got, the dangerous, more dangerous it got with all the silt being disturbed. And they finally had to give it up. And they abandoned the search of that quarry. So the case went cold for quite a while. And then in 1988, the police finally thought they had a break. They found a bank card by the name of R. McRae in an old derelict building near a house owned by Gordon McRae. So they kind of turned their uh, sights back on Gordon, like maybe he was the killer. Mm -hmm. for a minute and they traced the card back and discovered that in a strange coincidence it was lost by a lady named renee mccray years before someone totally Mm -hmm. different than our renee different renee mccray oh Mm -hmm. my gosh wow so false lead but it did shine some uh unpleasant light on gordon and made him you know kind of a bit of a suspect there for a few minutes okay so then in 2004 i mean this is you know, they, they discovered 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Her sister, Morag, M-O-R-A-G, Morag, uh, or Morg. Maybe they say it Morg. I'm not sure. I'm going to say mm-hmm. Morg. That just feels more right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the case was reopened because her sister, you know, had been leaning on the police to do so. Mm-hmm. They made a fresh appeal for witnesses. And they actually turned up some some fruit. Two separate witnesses came forward and said that they had seen a man acting sp- suspiciously close to Dal McGarry Quarry on the night that Renee and Andrew disappeared. So one of them says that he saw a man pushing a stroller or a pram along the A9 through the teeming rain and thought yeah. that was really weird. The second person said that they saw a man dragging a sheep along the A9 close to the Dalmagary bypass. Renee disappeared wearing a sheepskin coat. So this time they searched that area painstakingly, but came up with nothing. So yet again, all of this publicity really stirred stuff up with Bill McDowell. Mm -hmm. And he made another public statement. He and his wife had now moved to London And he says, I didn't do it. It's all starting up again. And it's a nightmare for myself and Rosemary. It keeps following us around. We can't escape it, but I didn't do it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In 2006, you know, despite not finding anything at Dalmagary Quarry, the police continued investigating. In 2006, they took the step of naming their prime suspect. And who do you think that was? Bill. Bill McDowell. Yeah. However, to their immense disappointment, the procurator fiscal did not believe that there was enough evidence to prosecute and they let it go. And he and Miss Rosemary moved to the U.S. So a local farmer named Brian McGregor 
which cracks me up because isn't that the name of the farmer in uh, all of the the books about the bunnies? Anyway, Farmer yes. McGregor. Farmer McGregor, yes. Yeah. He decided to do his own work on the case as an amateur sleuth. He was sick and tired of this case not being solved. Mm-hmm. So he... And he thought that maybe people were a little turned off by talking to the police. Perhaps they would talk to him. Mm-hmm. So he put some ads in the paper, just hoping to get some witnesses or people that would talk to him. And two men reached out and said that they were working on resurfacing a portion of the A9 when that happened. Mm-hmm. The highway. And they said they had left a section of the A9 close to the Dalmagary Laby, Layby, Layby, neatly patched at the end of their shift on Friday the 12th, November 1976. And when they came back to work the next day, their digger had been moved and the tarmac was churned up and looked like it had been resurfaced by an amateur. They said they didn't come forward at the time because they didn't make the connection. The press had been speculating that she had run away with a lover and they believed that and didn't really think that there was any connection there. Mm-hmm. So farmer McGregor, Brian McGregor used his own funds to scan that patch of tarmac uh, for any anomalies. And they found an anomaly that he believed to be Andrew's silver cross pushchair. So mm-hmm. the police, Agreed that this is a possibility and that the area would be investigated when the widening work was undertaken on the stretch of A9. They weren't willing to just dig it up for any reason, but there was scheduled work on the A9, so they were waiting for that. I see. Okay. So move forward to November 2016, the 40th anniversary of the disappearance of Renee and Andrew. And again, Morgue makes an appeal to for witnesses to come forward because mm-hmm. she just can't stand that her sister was never found, yeah. you know? And on September 2018, on what would have been his 45th birthday, there was a release of a picture of the missing Silver Cross pushchair. Mm-hmm. Another witness came forward and announced that in the summer of 2019, oh, more witnesses came forward, and the police announced that in the summer of 2019, they were returning to Lanark Quarry to conduct a fresh search. So this time, they fully drained the quarry, and a plantation of fir trees were dug up. Fifty cars were removed from the mud along that area, with tons Whoa. and tons of rubbish, which required meticulous analysis. And at the bottom of the quarry, the police discovered human bones and a mangled silver cross pushchair. Wow. Now, they have not released any DNA uh, on the bones mm-hmm. or anything along those lines. But what they did do was they arrested McDowell, who is now 77 years old. Mm-hmm. And they charged him with the murder of Renee McRae and the three-year-old son, Andrew. So they said this was uh, his hearing, his trial is supposed to take place in 2020. It was actually supposed to take place in October of 2020. If it is started, there is absolutely no evidence of it online. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. 
So I'm thinking it probably hasn't. I'm guessing probably COVID has, uh, you know, yeah, causes as much trouble in Scottish courts as it has in U.S. courts. So sure. it has not happened. But there is, uh, you know, it sounds like they had finally sufficient evidence to go ahead and charge him. So that's the case. I mean, okay. obviously, uh, the police think that they have, you know, the uh, the suspect in custody. My questions for you, of course, uh, are, did Bill McDowell do it? Did Bill McDowell have any help doing it? And what do we think the outcome of all this is going to be? Uh, Bill McDowell definitely did do it. Um, I feel like he never had any intention of leaving his wife, that this affair was just a dalliance on his part and that he didn't have any intention of taking it any further. I feel like Renee in, you know, separating from her husband really was pushing him. I feel like he agreed to this trip knowing that he was going to end his relationship with her, but it got really heated and he freaked out and he killed them both. Um, and I, I feel like he, that his wife knows I feel like she um, that he told her immediately and that she has absolutely no intention of giving up him and that she has helped him cover this up all along that she abs 100% knows. Mm -hmm. And you know, that they've been in the quarry this entire time. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all exactly as it appears and that she's helped him. And that she grabbed him and said, don't you dare tell anybody you're not going to do this to me. You're not doing this to your family. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. going to, we're going to change the, she feels to me like a very strong personality. He is mm -hmm. a little more milk toast. She's really strong and she has just taken control and said, you are, you will do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. Do you, why do you think she pulled off to the side of the road the way she did? Um, I feel like she was upset. I feel like she already had some awareness that things were not going the way that she wanted them to with Bill. Um, she also just feels to me like she was pretty unstable emotionally at that time, that she really was really struggling mm -hmm. and that he had, you know, given some indication that they were really going to have to talk and, you know, that this was going to be a, um, you know, they were going to really have to figure things out. And I, I just feel like she had some feeling that he was going to say, I'm not leaving my wife. So do you think she sat in her car for a while and then drove mm -hmm. further? I do. Yeah, I do. I feel like she was really conflicted and really struggling and just stopped for a while to try and think. And, and that, that really was just her, um, you know, stopped there trying to figure out what she wanted and what direction she wanted to go because she wanted to be with him. She wanted to yeah. leave her husband and move away and be with him. And that was absolutely her intention. She was having a little trouble seeing reality. Um, and that he'd been pretty clear for a while now that mm -hmm. that was not going to happen. I feel like she had threatened him that she was absolutely going to reveal this information to his wife. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's a lot of financial stuff involved here as far as his wife Mm -hmm. And his family is concerned. This is part of why he would not leave. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I feel like she was giving him an ultimatum and that she had threatened that she was going to reveal this affair. And, you know, that this going on this trip was a way to placate her a little bit, but she already knew that this was not his intention, Mm -hmm. but she just didn't know what to do about it. You know, she was really, really conflicted. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to add to that a little bit. I, my gut feeling is that she was pregnant. Mm, Okay. That she was pregnant again and knew that yet again, she was pregnant with Bill's child. His child. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the pregnancy was going to reveal itself. Right. In not too long. And that she was going to, uh, you know, that basically she felt like she was going to have to come clean to her husband because Mm -hmm. the baby couldn't possibly have been his this time. Yep. You know, the first time she just played it off as his and it worked and it was fine. But I feel like this time they hadn't been together in quite some time. So it was obvious the baby wasn't going to be his. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was going to have to uh, tell the truth. And I wonder if that helped encourage Bill's uh, behavior as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of desperation on both sides. You know, it was a very high mm-hmm. emotional time for them, mm-hmm. uh, for both of them. And I do feel like that really contributed to the way that this turned out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also just feel like his wife just completely managed him in this situation and that there was no way she was going to let the world know she was married to a murderer. I also feel like she has punished the living shit out of him um, in their private life for mm-hmm. all this, all these years for what he's done to her, but okay. she was never going to let him, um, admit to anything, no. you know, like, like he tried to do when he went to the police station. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. No, no, she was, I agree with that entirely that she's made his life hell. And basically he's just been, uh, you know, totally beholden to her all these years. Cause she knows his secret. Right. And I feel like she hasn't hesitated in using it as a way to get what she wanted or what she needed, probably, too. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I mean, I, I have compassion for her, considering that her husband had a five-year affair under her nose, you know, and had a mm-hmm. child with someone else. And, you know, yeah. what a winner. But yeah. anyway, so. Okay. Yeah, she's definitely used this to her advantage, though. Yeah. So do we think that he will... Beat this? Do you think that he'll be convicted? No, I think he will be convicted. I don't think he's going to do much time, considering his age. But I do feel he will be convicted. I wonder if he'll live all the way through being tried. Actually, yeah, it is a considerable amount of stress for him. It is definitely, um, but I, I feel at least it's some truth for her family, mm-hmm. and you know, at least oh. some closure for her sister. Absolutely. Absolutely. And her surviving son. Yeah. Her surviving son. I mean, well, and her husband. I mean, you know, they obviously didn't want to be married anymore, but they also, you know, he cared about her. And yeah, definitely. You know, in his mind, the mother of her children and yeah, of his children. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's been a lot of pain around this and and an extreme amount of selfishness around this. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. Well, and poor little Andrew, you know. Yeah. Just caught in the crosshairs of this bullshit. That Definitely. I mean, years old. I mean, he he killed her, and then he had to kill him because, yeah. you know, what was he going to do with this child? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess to get a little bit more down to the nitty gritty, where and how did he kill them? I feel like it was at that lay-by. I felt like he met up with them there. And I keep seeing some kind of a, like a tire iron, some kind of a tool that was in a car. I feel like that he bashed their heads in. Mm Mm-hmm. And that she was not able to defend herself. I do feel like he killed her first. And then the little boy. Because mm-hmm. once he'd killed her, they'd had a big, they had a big fight. He killed her. And then he realized, well, you know, the child was obviously evidence of what he'd done. And so he had to take care of him too, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Wow. That's a sad story. Jeez. And, and yeah, crazy it that it's taken this long um, right? to come to at least some resolution. I mean, I yeah. I don't doubt at all that they're going to discover that, you know, that those were their bodies that were in the quarry. Oh, yeah. I think definitely it is. Yeah. Right. And I mean, they were just discovered a year ago. So yeah. with familial DNA, you know yeah. that that's without question. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it'll be interesting, too, because I would imagine it will come out then if Andrew really was indeed his son, his son, Mm -hmm. if his bones and his mothers were together, which I'm hoping they were, you know, but uh, there's enough evidence to charge him in both, you know, so obviously, but anyway, that'll be an interesting fact, I think, as well, because, uh, you know, it was according to the best friend that he was not you know, Gordon's son, but I do you know. think that that's what they'll find. You know, I want to say too, though, the, the whole idea of the, the digger being moved and all that stuff. I don't yeah. think that had anything to do with this case at all. I think that was completely separate. I feel like yeah. that was somebody messing around and digging shit up. And I don't think that what's under there is the pram. I, you know, I think the pram that they found in the water is the right pram. I think that was just somebody else yeah. messing around and mm-hmm. you know kids kind of thing i don't think yeah. that it's related to this case i think they've been in the court yeah. the whole time yeah unfortunately there just truly wasn't very much for witnesses it no. was just due to the uh you know the weather yeah and the area there just wasn't yeah and i'm imagining he was hoping that car would burn enough that uh, it would be unrecognizable you know, but of course. Uh, yeah, you know, you'd think people would learn about burning cars because um, that just doesn't happen. Cars are metal. They don't burn right. completely away, you know. It's usually I mean, identifying factors. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm very curious about why there were 50 cars in that quarry. Um, yeah. Did they find any other bodies in there? Were there bodies in any of those cars? Very yeah. interesting. Like that seemed, yeah. or if that was just a dump site where everybody, you know, took their old cars that didn't run anymore and, you know, put them in neutral and ran them down a hill. I don't know, but it just, that was very, that's interesting. I mean, that was kind of a thing, you know, there's areas around here that have multiple old cars. Yes. Run off the side of a cliff and stuff. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. It is. But, well, this case will go, of course, into our cases to watch list that, yes. uh, When there's movement on it, we'll definitely be reporting on that on Wednesday nights when we do our updates. So we'll continue to watch this case and let you guys know what happens. Right. uh, Once they finally take it to to the courtroom or what? Yeah. 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 I know. I I agree with you. I just don't think he's going to do much time, but I do think they will. 
uh, convict him and, you know, be able to prove that he did do it. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So, of course, this is our first case of the week, but you'll find us on Wednesday night live at 8 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll be uh, updating our regular cases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we usually bring you a solved case at that point. And actually, we have a very interesting solved case for you, uh, solved and then unsolved for you this week. So uh-huh. you can watch for that. <laughs> My favorite kind. So much weird crime afoot. And then, of course, Mm. Thursday night for the Psychic Hour. And it is the first show of the month. And so we'll be doing marching orders by sign for Mm -hmm. the month. So basically what that means is that we'll look at each sign and give you an idea of what the month is going to look like, feel like, and give you some ideas of uh, things you can do to get uh, through this month in a great way. Yeah. And considering that, uh, you know, it is going to be a very interesting energy week with the elections here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mercury goes direct on Tuesday. We've just come through this big moon. There's a lot going on. So There really is. Know. The energy is, there's a lot of chaos out there. That's all I want to say. I just don't, you know, I'd say stay home, stay safe. You know, don't do anything that you don't want to do or, you know. Yep. yep. Take care of yourselves and your families and leave it there for now. Yep. Oh, well, we lost Christy, but that's a good place to uh, end it. So (laughs) I'm not sure what happened, but uh, that's it for tonight. So uh, be sure to like, follow, share. And of course, as always, you can find us uh, right here on YouTube or on our podcast, depending on how you're listening. You can also find us on Facebook, True Crime Paranormal, on YouTube, well, not YouTube, that too, on TikTok for with True Crime Paranormal. And of course, you can always find us, uh, you know, here on all of the nights that we're here with you guys. So, and of course, uh, Patreon, if you would like to sponsor our work and get a little extra content, you can find us at True Crime Paranormal over on Patreon. So thanks you guys so much. There's links here in our uh, bios or in our description of the show for other ways to connect with us and find us if you'd like to have a reading or connect with any of our other work. So thank you very, very much for being here. Uh, You have been watching True Crime Paranormal or listening. (laughs) Let's say it this way. This has been True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Have a great day and take care. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.